Pastor Obi. So today we are also going to talk about it's the same thing if you know what I mean, but how do you now grow with purpose? How do you, you know, start that process? So today I want to talk to us on personal transformation. And I trust the spirit that your life will change after today. Today's um, teaching. Get your pen, get your Bible. I see Chisom all the way from India. Wow, Chisom, thanks for joining us this evening. I know it's about 2, 1.30 a.m. or 2, 2 a.m. in India and you are joining us. You are making time to join us for this. God bless you so, 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 so much. God bless you. So, get your pen, get your paper. We're going to talk about personal transformation. Ecclesiastes chapter 1 verse 14 on Sunday where, you know, the preacher, who, who of course you know is Solomon, said that he has seen all things in this world. He has seen everything that he's done under the sun and he arrived at one conclusion. This is one man that was successful in his own way. You know, he was successful in, in, in um, leading a nation, one of the most um, successful kings, you know, he took that nation from just mediocrity to a level, a world-class nation. I mean, he was more than a first, <laughs> a first world nation in his days because he brought so much development and advancement, not just to Israel, but to the world. So he was successful in that aspect. Yes, he failed in relationships and all that, but he was successful in that aspect because God gave him unusual wisdom. Wisdom that have not been seen, unprecedented wisdom, which he functioned with. No, for him to say this, not only was he wise, he was also wealthy. Bible said that he laid silver as dust in Israel during his time. Imagine doing that, laying silver as dust. So he was a wealthy king. Israel was a wealthy nation during his time. And yet, he said something. He said, I've seen everything under the sun. That he has arrived at one conclusion. That what, what conclusion is that? That they are all meaningless. All meaningless. Says so it is a chasing after the wind. All meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Oh, everything, everything made of material, like I said on Sunday, is vanity, is meaningless. What does he mean by when he says chasing after the wind? You can never catch the wind. You cannot trap wind. You cannot trap air. That is what everything in this world is. And at times, my wife and I will have some conversation. I will, I will be like, if only people understand the vanity of this earth, this world, the way they treat people will change. To be honest, the way they treat people will change. They won't treat human beings anyhow because at the end of the day there is nothing when you are young and strong you think you are all of it by the time you start getting old and frail you understand that there is nothing in this world that the only thing that matters in this world are people that's why God has sent us as ambassadors to reach this world for him to talk to people and bring them to light. You know, today, uh, while I was in college, 
and um, usually in you know like as you know I, I am doing a course on counseling to be a therapist you know and today I had a conversation usually have practice sessions where we try out our counseling skills on each other so I got somebody new that that I have not talked to before <laughs> and by the time we were done talking for about an hour she was like oh my god that almost all her life she has been she has been going to counselors and in fact she has a counselor now a therapist that she sees whether every week or something but she has never ever attended a counseling session like the one I had with her so she has never that she's leaving this counseling session pumped usually when she goes to her normal counseling session to go see therapist she leaves drained, she leaves, you know, confused. Meanwhile, you're going for help, and you're going to the person that's, that's supposedly supposed to help you, and you're leaving confused, you're leaving drained. Say she has never had this kind of session with me. What did I do to her? I communicated life. I saw myself as a vessel that God is going to use to communicate life to her. You know, the world is dark. People that don't know Christ are in serious darkness. Don't be deceived. I'm interfacing with a lot of them. They are in serious darkness. Life has no meaning. You know, at times down in Africa, we envy the Western world. We envy them. Oh, I wish Africa is like that. We can enjoy like that. I wish. But when you meet these people one-on-one, -on -one, you see that they are miserable. Those that don't have Christ. And Paul talked about it. See, this is the, 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 the by all we are of all men most miserable if we don't have Christ. And as agents of God, people should not talk to us, people should not meet us and live the same. So by the time we finished session, she told me this, which was like when um, the class heard that I was paired with her. All of them was like, oh, that every had that every had that they wish that they were all paired with me and all that. That she's going to have so much fun, and she was like, now she understands what the other classmates were saying. Don't let anyone meet you in that small office that you are in, in that small uh, classroom that you are in. Whatever you you have found yourself, when people contact you, don't let them leave the same. Let them come for more. She's like, she can't wait till next week. Let them come for more. Let them come for more. Let them come for more. This is how we our light shines in darkness. Very soon, they'll start asking you, what is this? What is this? How, can, how are you able to do this? How are you able to say this? How, what is it? That is the when. The platform to communicate Christ comes. Man, the question is, if this People, this like this, my classmates, and all their wonderful testimonies about whenever I can tell them, if they have met me 20 years ago, to be honest, I won't be of help to them. If they have met me 10 years ago, I won't be of as much help to them as I am now. If they have met me maybe five years ago, I won't be as much help as I am now. Now, if they meet me 10 years in the future, they will wonder. What has happened to me that they thought I was so great? Now, 
It's like as if I'm mind blowing. What am I talking about? I am passing myself through a process of transformation. I'm passing myself through a conscious, not that word, conscious, concise, precise, deliberate process of personal transformation. And this is what I want all of us in this Zoom room this evening to imbibe and start. I want you to take a good look at where you are and tell yourself, I will not be at this level at the end of this year. Something must give. Something must change. Something must give. Something must change. Now, that doesn't mean that where you are now is bad. Not at all. No. Personal transformation never ends. That's why I, I put that last part. I said, if they are married 20 years ago, probably they will not have been saying what they are saying today. If they are married 10 years ago, 5 years ago, probably I will not have been so much equipped to help them. But I added something. I don't know if, if you caught it. I said, if they meet me in the next 5 years, even in the next 3 years, there's a program I'm running personally on myself. They'll be wondering, how come they thought I was great three years ago? Because I am going through a process that when they hear me again talk to them, they will wonder. My impact will increase based on the process I am passing myself through. It is an ongoing process. I've been on this process for decades and I'm not stopping. Now, I am opening another chapter in my life and there's a process I must undertake so that when I flip that page, when I flip that chapter, my impact will be felt. Will be felt. You know, people are always in a hurry to change the world. People are always in a hurry to change the world. Instead of them to be in a hurry to change themselves. Don't be in a hurry to change the world until you change yourself. Don't be in a hurry to change society until you have gone through the process of personal transformation. And this is the missing link. People want that personal transformation to be automatic. No, it's not. It is a process. But you must embark on it. You must take deliberate steps to transform yourself. You must. You must. You must. You must. You must. Mo Abraham, at the age of 75, took that step. When you read that place in Genesis chapter 11, towards the tail end of it, the Bible says that Terah, his father, died. And the Bible said that God now came to his son and spoke to his son, Abraham. You now see that in chapter 12. He now told Abraham, get out of your country. He says now, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. And what did Abraham do? Abraham obeyed. Obeyed. 
and went through that journey, that process, to where God told them to, 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 to go to, which is Canaan. He got to Canaan, the process started. God started speaking words to him, started talking to him, started giving him promises and all that. God now passed Abraham through a process of personal transformation. A process where he became a father of faith by speaking words, promises. It took him quite a while, possibly 25 years, to grasp it. But finally he did. And the miracle child Isaac came. Why am I talking about Abraham? Abraham was 75 when his own process of personal transformation started. 75. So it's not late. Oh, don't say I'm too old for this. I'm in my 50s. Oh, let us go with the flow. No. Moses was 40. He took off for 40 years. His own personal transformation took 40 years. By the time he was 80, he was a different man. So he now started his own purpose at age 80. So it's never late to start. It's never late to start. There's something they say in our dialect. When you woke up is your morning. When you woke up is your morning. And these words come this evening. I am trusting the Holy Spirit. See, it does not change a million. It does not take a million people to change the world. It just takes one person. If I can just get one person in this room, I'm going to give God praise. Just one person. At the end of this evening, the words you will hear from me will be words from the Spirit straight into your soul that will kickstart a journey that will change your life. That when you look back, you'll be like, oh, thank you that I was, thank you, Lord, for that I was in this meeting to hear this word spoken. You'll be so grateful to God for it. You know, because until you start living your purpose, which, of course, the chasing of your purpose kickstarts when you change, when you transform, you will be existing. Maybe the next time we come on this, I will read the other scripture I wanted to read in Ecclesiastes. But I can't do that now. So let's start from the five questions. If you remember, I, I, I asked at the tail end of Sunday service. And what questions were that? I said the journey of personal transformation starts with purpose discovery and the question of why am I here? And so the first question is who can you be that you are yet to become? Who can you be that you are yet to become? You are not there yet, but you know you are capable of this. You might have seen some people do things, you just know within you, I am capable of this. I see myself doing what that woman is doing. The way she's speaking to people, speaking to women, training them, you know, urging them on. A, 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 a woman leader, I can do that. You know you have that ability in you, but you are not there yet. Who can you be that you are yet to become? And I told you, you need to answer these questions at the beginning of this year 
write them down. The second one is, what can I do that I have not yet done? Where can I go that I have not yet gone? Then what can I create? What invention? What invention do I have on my inside? I don't mean inventing, you know, um, appliances or devices. It might be part of it, but that's not what, really what I mean. You know, you can you can create a forum for a specific group of people. Maybe God is calling you into mental health to help maybe women in mental health or women that are suffering abuse. You know, if you know the kind of trauma they go through. Maybe God is calling you into one realm, one specific realm. Remember, it has to do with people. Maybe in society, you are, you are, there is this ill in society that whenever you see it, it just pricks you. You know you can contribute something to it. You can invent a solution. That's what I mean. What have you? What do you have in you? Something you know you can create that you've not yet created. These are questions you must ask. And today I'm going to give you the guideline. I'm going to show you how to start this journey. Because when you start living your purpose, Thing. The people die, and in their funeral uh, announcements, they will, they will usually go like, <laughs> um, with gratitude with, to God for a life well spent. May they, not, may, may they not say that your life was spent here on earth. Let them rather say that your life was invested. What do I mean by a life invested? A life invested is a life that has poured into people. That has poured into people. That has invested treasures, virtues, knowledge into people. That, are, that is an invested life. That is how our Lord was annoyed with that servant that he gave one talent. The one with five doubled it. The one with two doubled it. He now got that third servant that had one talent. And that, that servant said, See, Lord, I know you. You are a hard man. Some translation says, You are an austere man. So I took that one talent and I hid it in the earth, in the ground. In his mind, he was saving it. By putting that talent in the earth, that talent is not a seed. If it was a seed, then it will have been investment because that seed will die, germinate, and bear more seeds. But the, the, that talent is not a seed. So he put it in the ground. He was saving it so it will not get destroyed. So when the master comes, he will gently bring it the way it is and give it to the man. Now I want to talk to you about the psychology of that man for a few minutes. I many of you have thought about this that that servant was not really a bad servant. I'm going to explain to you why Jesus called him wicked. But let's, for a second, try to get into the mind of that man, the psychology of that man. Remember what he said? He said, Master, I know you. You're an austere man. You're a hard man. So possibly he was afraid 
that he might mismanage the talent and lose it. How many of you talk about it this way? Maybe that, that, that's why he took it. In his mind, he was safeguarding it. Listen to me carefully. Because the man is a hard man. If the master comes like, oh, I lost it. Oh, I kept it here and I couldn't find it. I know what you do to me. That's what he meant. But you're a hard man. So in his fear, he went and safeguarded that talent. And when the master came back, he was happy. Oh, I kept my talent in a safe place. I didn't lose it. Oh, I can go to present it back to the man. Not knowing that the master will be very angry with him. So that servant, in his own thought, might have done well. They said, I thought I thought I him bad. He didn't lose it. He maintained it. And he presented it back to the master. But the master was angry. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. And this is why you must embark on personal transformation. And the master came and he presented the man. The man was angry and called him wicked. How can a man thinking, saving, so he will not suffer loss, be wicked? How? How? Because of purpose. That talent, in some other theological explanation, represents your purpose. Represents those giftings, the skills, the proper word for it is the potential God put on your inside for you to use, not to save it because you're afraid of loss, not to save it because you're afraid of being a failure, not to save it because you're afraid. Of how people might, 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 might take it when you come out with that gift or talent. To, not to save it because you are afraid of rejection. The reason for that your ability. The reason for that your potential. The reason for that your talent and that your skill. Is to use it. To profit. Is to, is to use it to reach out to many. Is to use it to touch hearts, people, to change men and women, to help people. Not to save it because you're afraid of failure. Not to save it because you're afraid that people might reject you when you come out with it. If you do, Jesus will call you that wicked servant. Jesus said, okay, you don't want, you're afraid of failure, you're afraid of rejection, you're afraid of how people will take, take, respond to you when, when you come out with it. You're just afraid. And I said, okay, fine. The least you would have done is to conquer that fear and invested it in one person. Say you would have taken it to the bankers and deposited it so they will pay you interest. In other words, instead of putting it in earth, you would have put that talent in this earth. I'll say that again. Instead of putting it in earth, that's the ground, soil, 
you'd have taken that your gifting and invested it in another human being, in another earth. That was just meant by that. You'd have just invested it in one person. Just one person. Is if you have done that, I will call you good. Now, I want to take just a few seconds now. Look at your life. Is there anyone that comes easily to your mind that you can point out fulfilling his purpose, fulfilling her purpose, and they are doing that because of you? It is a woman, a man, a boy, a girl that you have invested in. You have trained, you have taught. And they are using that, that giftings. They are using those things you've invested in them. And they are using it to make impact. Is there one person like that? Take a few minutes, a few seconds rather. Think about it. Is there one person like that? That is making positive impact in society. Because of what you put in him. Because of what you put in her. Is there anyone like that? If the answer is no, then it's not late. That is why this message is coming. This teaching is coming. It is not late. Don't get to heaven before our Lord Jesus Christ. And there is nobody on earth that you've not that you've not invested in. This is one thing that must rank number one in your goals list this year. You must find that one person this year that you will invest in, that you will teach everything you know, that you invite for this our training meetings every Tuesday. You're bringing that person to this meeting. Is an investment. You are investing in that person. So they can hear the things you are hearing. Find that one person. There might be two. There might be three. Find them this year. Compel them. To meetings like this. Where something will be invested in them. That will kickstart a revolution. That will shine light into their darkness. That will help them discover the reason why they are here so they can go out in society and bring change. And bring change. And it's not late to do that. As I said, that Abraham started at 75. He took him 25 years when he was 99 to catch it. Um, Moses started at 40, but it took him 40 years to go through the process. So you eventually started at 80. You can cut short your process. You are living in a time where the Holy Spirit does a quick work. So personal transformation is a journey. It is not instant. Now if you are a Christian, there are three kinds of transformation that you must go through. Three kinds of personal transformation. If you are a Christian, You've gone through one already. But my, 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 my concentration today is on the second one. Then there's a third part that you will go through in the future. 
And these different transformations speak to the three dimensions of man. At salvation, your human spirit got instantaneously transformed and changed. Then, you need to be converted. Salvation is not conversion. You know, um, the scripture in, um, I think it's when Peter was speaking on the day of Pentecost. He was speaking after the Holy Ghost came on them and those thousands gathered. I think he said something to them in Acts chapter, chapter, is it? Yeah, is it? I think, only to help me, but I know it's in Acts chapter 3. I don't know if it's the, the Pentecost preaching or one of the preachings he did at the temple. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. He says something to the crowd that gathered. He says, repent by salvation. He now said to them, be converted. The word converted there is not so sozo. The Greek word for salvation is sozo. But in that place, the Greek word for that word conversion is different. It's different. It's not the same as salvation. So conversion is that process of transformation. It's that process that Paul talked about in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He said, be ye transformed. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewal of your mind. So the second transformation, which should be ongoing for every human being and every believer, is the transformation of your soul. And that is what my focus is on today. Your spirit has been transformed, but your soul needs to be converted. Your soul needs to be transformed. Then as a third part, which is the transformation of the body, that was going to happen at the rapture. It's in the future. That one is certain for every Christian. The same way your spirit transformation has been concluded and done, your bodily transformation is certain. God will take care of that the way he took care of the spirit transformation. But there's one transformation that is not left to God in quotes. Though he's an agent of that transformation. But a whole bulk of the work physically is on you, which is the transformation of the soul. That's why Paul did not say, pray for the transformation of your mind. No. He said, you, you, do not be conformed to the world. But you, you, be transformed. So the, the honors of personal transformation of your mind, of your soul, of your emotions, of your intellect, your reasoning is on you. Is on you. And I'm going to talk to you about the different stages of transformation. You know that the, the first stage of that transformational process is the, is the light bulb moment, which is what I want to achieve today. Next Tuesday will continue. Is a light bulb moment. Is that moment where you just realize, hey, something must change. Something must change. See, I've been preaching. I've been preaching since effectively as a youth pastor. Since 19, since 2000. Let me just say 2000. She said, yeah, 2000. I've been preaching. I've been preaching. 2003, 2004, 2005, I went through a stage of transformation. 
that changed my life. Totally. But around 2015, I could just sense there is another level of transformation that God wanted me to go, go through. I started losing taste of a lot of things happening around me. Then I was in taste of the things I used to preach. I just knew that something was off somewhere. I just knew that, that something was off. You know, after Sunday, Sunday, Sunday service, somebody texted me from Nigeria. Aha, uh -huh, Pastor, hey. Now, what did I say at the tail end of service? I said, what? What, what did I say? Yeah, Pastor, you said first fruit, though. That people should not give first fruit. Hey! That she was like, hey! It is Pastor Chukudum. Hey! <laughs> I said, I know what I said on Sunday. That you need to listen well. She said, I listened well. But she was like, hey! Ha! She said, this is not what we were taught, though. This is not what we were taught. Ha! That she has not heard the way I said it that on Sunday. Hey! <laughs> and I asked her a question. I said, okay. Have you gone to study first fruits? She not care quite. Said no. Ah, no. No, before they said that, me, I'm not planning on stopping first fruits. I said, don't stop it. I said that's not, that, that's what I said. I said, go and listen to what I said. And they said, stop it. I said, be led by the spirit. Firstly, I said first, there's no law now for first fruits. But if you want to give it, be led by the spirit. Don't do it because out of compulsion. Hey, they say don't give first fruit. Oh, ah, the rest of the year, the enemy will attack your finances. The Bible says that if their first fruit is, 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 is holy, then the whole lump will be holy. Hey, if I don't give my first fruit, oh, that means the whole lump will not be holy. I said, don't, don't give it because of that. I said, listen carefully. The Bible was clear about giving in the New Testament. That if you give under duress, God will not accept it. They thought you collect your money, oh, but God will not receive it. So you are giving to the church effectively. You are not giving to God. And the church cannot reward you. The highest reward the church can give you is to call you out at the end of the year and give you an award that will perish. The that giving will not go with you in head to heaven no, because God did not accept it. You say, eh? I say, yes. So God, I read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 very well. You see the guideline for giving. Don't give on that duress. God, I read the Bible. Bible says in Galatians, that, that, that God loves a cheerful giver. So if you're not giving cheerfully, if you're not giving because you have... You know, people, people pay their tithe out of fear. Don't do that. God will not accept it. Fear doesn't work with God. Fear is the opposite of faith. And what works around God is faith. So anything outside faith, you will not get anything from God. He says, see, that without faith, it is impossible. Impossible. There is no probability. Once you are outside faith, it is impossible to please God. People say, let me give God my title. Let me give God. So they, from a distance, they will stone the title to God while they are afraid of devourer. You will not get any reward for that. I'm sorry to say. When you read that place in Malachi, start reading from chapter 1. The Bible talked about honor. He said, if I'm your God, if I'm your father, where is my honor? Where is my honor? Give to God because you honor him. 
As if you want to give your first fruit, do it out of honor. That Jesus, when he died and resurrected, fulfilled, fulfilled the ritualistic law of first fruit. So we have we don't give first fruit. There's no place in the New Testament where you see first fruit. But in the New Testament, you see tithe. That's why tithe is still valid both in the old and in the new. But you will not see first fruit. The scripture they quote about first fruit is from Romans chapter 9. It's not talking about first fruit. When they say that Jesus is our first fruit and Israel is the first fruit. And they quote that place that if the, if the first is holy, that the whole that the whole law will be holy. He's not talking about first fruit. He's talking about Israel, Israel, Israel as God's chosen first nation on earth. Was not saying Paul was writing a thesis from Romans chapter nine to I think eleven twelve. How God has not forgotten Israel, that Israel is God's first fruit, and God is going to come back to deal with Israel in the future. They are not forgotten, and that is true. That is what he's talking about. There is no other place you see first fruit in the New Testament. So I show you those scriptures. Say, go and study it yourself. Don't even, don't even do it because I'm teaching it to you. Go read the Bible for yourself. Say it's true. I've not studied. I've not studied for myself. I'm going to study it. I say, if you want to give first fruit, by all means, do. But do it out of honor. The way, you know, when your your parents train you in school, in university, finish training you. You get your first job. The way you take your first salary to, to your parents, say thank you. Dad, thank you, mom, for all the training you paid my school fees, you trained us, you brought us up. This is my first salary. I want to honor you. As if you want to give that to God, give it like that. Out of honor, not out of compulsion. The first fruit is no longer required. So give it out of honor. And by all means, don't give your first salary, your first month salary. God also wants you to be taken care of. God wants your family to take taken care of. That's why he gave you that job. So if you want to give, give maybe the first day salary. Calculate how many days you work in a month. That is if you are paid monthly. Divide it, the number of days you work. Give God the first day. Okay, you want to push it. Maybe it's too small for you to, to honor God with. Give God the first week. But make sure, <coughs> excuse me, that you are giving it out of honor, honor, not first fruit, not any ritualistic law, no, not out of fear, no, don't do that. Give it out of honor. Then if the Holy Spirit speaks to you to give the one month, do it. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you, give one year, do it. But don't do it because man said it. Don't do it because he had one testimony, no. Do it because the Holy Spirit spoke to you. He said, oh, I say yes. So why did I say that? God also has taken me through a process. A process. For me, it started in 2015. I've been preaching all this while, but most of the things I've been preaching is what I heard other people preach. I just preached their message. And God took me through a process. He said, see, 
you must come to know me for my for yourself don't preach what other people are preaching find out from me read study my word very very well and ask me what did i mean when i wrote this or why when i said this to this prophet why did he wrote it find out from me my whole message changed. My whole perspective of God changed. Then it was that period I seriously took. Serious. Living by the word of God. Living by the word of God. One of the greatest paths to wisdom, if it's an interest to you, is to make God's word number one. Is to live your life based on God's word. This is my story of my transformation, of my personal transformation. Late last year, he started talking to me about some things, and I'm working on them now. I'm working on them now. Very, 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 very important that we know this. That we know this. So we must embark. On that paradigm shift. I'm going to stop here. The thing is transformation. I'm way, way out of time. Oh my God. Sorry, 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 sorry. I've, I've overshot. So the first is the power of yes. Have an open mind. Very important. Say yes. You know, uh, that open mind and the power of yes is also the willingness to learn new things. Don't be too proud. Remember those days, you know, the group of pastors will gather, we'll talk about some things and talk about ministers abroad. Like, ah, oh, those ministers abroad don't know anything. Ah, they don't know anything. You know, they don't have revelation. Or talk about these other churches. Ah, the revelation in this other church is high. This other church is nothing, no revelation. Hey! I've, I've knelt down and asked God to forgive me for joining those kind of conversations. I'm telling you. Do you know, <laughs> an ignorant man thinks he knows a lot. You're in a closed system. You're not open to anything. You think that thing you are hearing is all, all, all that there is. It is a huge sign of ignorance. Ignorance. So that blindness finished me. Finished me. And this is why people are caged under manipulation and they cannot grow. They cannot go through self-transformation. And that's what happens when you don't have a, an open mind. When you, when you don't have an open mind to receive teachings, to receive knowledge. If you don't have that open mind, you can never be transformed. Because one of the agents of transformation is the word, is knowledge, is information. Number two key, as I end, is the power of focus. Once you have back on that process of transformation, you must be focused to see it through. Very important. Let's assume that it was God that called um, Terah to go to the land of Canaan. He got to Haran. He lost focus. He died there. Number three is the power of action. Action. You must take some steps first to remove, declog your mind of some rubbish information. 
or some false information. Deplug your mind. Remove it. So you can install fresh revelation. You can install the right information. So you must have that willingness to act. So these are the three keys to personal transformation. I'm going to show you the six stages of transformation next week. And each stage is very important. I'll show you what to do, how to move from one stage to the other. And at the end, when you go through that whole stage, at the end, they're going to look back. Oh my God. And you see that God has brought you from a far, mighty, long way. And the person at the end of the stage of transformation will be totally different from the person that started that journey. I'm telling you. And one thing you must bear in mind as you go through your, transform- your transformation is that you need to slow down. Don't be in a hurry. It is a process. You take it one day at a time, one action at a time, and at the end, you will experience. <laughs> oh my God. I don't know how to put it, but your experience will be mind-boggling. And what usually happens to me at the end of each process or each stage of my transformation is that I wonder why did I waste so much time? Why did I waste so much time? Why did I delete that? I keep wishing I did this a long time ago. And the Holy Spirit will remind me that this is just that personal transformation are in different stages. That for each chapter of your life, you must transform for that chapter. For each level of your life, you must transform for that level. 